Revelation, the, uh, take a look in Revelation there in your Bible in the first chapter, verse 12. Thank you for being here tonight, and we're here to worship the Lord. Message, uh, capture, uh, capture the impossible. In uh, 1924, of course, the, the tenement and the climate of Mount Everest has changed dramatically now. But in 1924, two climbers were a part of an expedition that set out to conquer, quote-unquote, Mount Everest. And as far as is known, they never reached the summit and they never returned. Somewhere these two individuals uh, on that gigantic mountain were overpowered by the elements. And if you ever read about Mount Everest and you ever read about the elements that are there, it is shocking why anyone would do that is beyond me, but people have done it and continue to do it. But after the failure of that expedition, those, of course, who, who did survive returned home, and they had a press conference and meeting in London, and one of them described the ill-fated adventure. He turned to a huge photo of Mount Everest mounted on the wall behind him. Cameras were just taking pictures of it. And he turned because he was still emotionally stirred. The two that did not make it back were dear friends of his. And he said, Everest, we tried to capture you once, but you overpowered us. And we tried to conquer you a second time, but you were still too much for us. But Everest... We want you to know that we are going to conquer you because you cannot grow any bigger and we can. Amazing testimony of just gut, amazing testimony of perseverance that says we will one day be more than a conqueror. If you can imagine John, who was the last of the disciples alive, he's the writer of Revelation as God just pours into him, into his spirit, into his heart, a vision that is there that related to Christ and related to the church, which it relates to you and to me. And this is what he says in Revelation 1, verse number 10, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Must have been shocking being the only one there on that deserted piece of dust and dirt. To all of a sudden, you're in your time of meditation and time of prayer and time of calling out to God. And that loud voice is loud as a trumpet. And this is what he said. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. And I want you to pay particular attention to what you see, and I want you to write it in a book. There was a focus that God gave to John, and it was, I want you to focus on the seven churches. You see, as you and I read Revelation 2 and 3, we have a peak of those seven churches, and we understand those seven churches are as real today in the culture in which we live right now. The behavior of those seven churches in specific areas are just the same today as described during the time that 
God speaks to John in that revelation. And John begins to share the vivid picture that he saw. You see, from that point on, the memory of John, he remembers seeing Jesus after the crucifixion and, in fact, the resurrection. But no one had seen this yet until it's recorded. He sees seven candlesticks of gold. That's the churches. And among them stood the Son of God. Well, we know that many of those churches floundered. Some of those churches backslid away. Some of those churches were lukewarm. Some of those churches were on fire. Some of those churches forgot their first love. But in the middle of those seven churches stood one profound figure, and it was the Son of the living God. Somebody say amen. It says he was wearing a white robe, his hair white as wool, his eyes of fire, his feet as burnished bronze, his voice like thundering waves, seven stars in his right hand, a double-edged sword in his mouth, and his face shone like the sun. John said, I couldn't stand it. When I saw him, I fell. I was overwhelmed. I submitted to what I saw in that vision. I came to the realization that my whole world changed just in this vision, shaken to the core of my being when I heard the loud trumpet sound and the voice, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. What does it mean? God revealed that vision. And John came to his own conclusion. It is the same conclusion that you and I need to come to. He was saying, I'm not dead, John. I am very much alive. You thought you were on a deserted island and you were alone. I'm here to tell you those seven churches, some of them got messed up, but in the midst of them, I still work. I still move. I am still alive. I am not weak. I'm not in disarray. I am not defeated. I am much in control. I am much alive. I am ready for confrontation, and I am a risen victor, and I am about to reclaim that which belongs to me, that which I died for that which many who before me died and for those saints after me who live and wonder if it's really real one day soon I'm coming back and I'm going to show you what I intend to do with the powers of darkness we look and we listen at the news today every week it's something a fired FBI director next week it'll be somebody else who knows it's, of course, North Korea shooting off two or three missiles seemingly at a time. It's a Russian fighter jet coming wing to wing with one of our spy planes. It's another jet running 70, 70 miles away, and it seems like it's that kind of tenure taking place all over the place. It seems like there's confusion. Who's telling the truth? Who's not telling the truth? But let me tell you, in the midst of all of that, hallelujah, there is the firm presence of a loving God who stands in the midst of all of it and said, I am still in control. Don't give up and don't cave in. The old song we used to sing, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. We ought to just rip that out every once in a while and say hallelujah. In the midst of it, he's still the sweetest name I know. Amen. Still the sweetest. My human nature, I want to respond in a carnal way. I want to fight fire with fire, but it doesn't work that way when you're alive in the presence of the Lord. John said, what I saw him, in Revelation 1:17, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand, the right hand, the hand of authority on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and I am the last. 
I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever and ever and ever. And I hold the keys. I hold the key. Nobody dies without my knowledge. No child is born without my knowledge. I, I hold the keys to death and Hades. In other words, there's nothing more detrimental to the human mind than death and hell. But he says, I've got the key. I earned them. John, get ready. There's good news coming. I'm the conqueror of the past. He says that in Revelation 1, verse 18. I'm the living one. I was, I was, I was, I was dead. And I'll paraphrase, but I ain't no more. Amen. I was dead. Warren Wearsby said, do not say, why were the former days better than these? You do not move ahead by constantly looking in the rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. In other words, don't live in a way that you still believe, I'm still dead. Don't respond to life as if you still believe I'm still dead. Don't accept Christianity and do the work of the church believing that I am still dead. I, I was dead, but I'm not dead anymore. He's the prisoner on that Isle of Patmos, that treeless, deserted island of volcanic ash, and he is, he's almost thinking that he's in a prison. They certainly placed him there to make him think that he was in a prison. They, they wanted him to go crazy. That is what had happened to every other prisoner that they placed there all along. They lost their mind, went out of their mind. But in the midst of the worst, when God shows up, you become in the midst of the best. Amen. He takes our ashes and turns it into something beautiful. He has this panoramic view of all of history, and he has this panoramic view of what is to take place in the future. John, the only one that's still alive at 60 years ago, has lapsed since the last disciple died. He had every reason to believe I'm the only one left, and the really he should believe it because it was a fact, but it's been 60 years why do you think God kept him alive after everybody else? May I suggest to you, just for this moment, just for this moment. He didn't say, John, ahead of time, you're going to live an additional 60 years, and they're going to put you on the Isle of Patmos, and I want you to know there's a reason they're putting you there, because I'm going to come in a time that you know not, and I'm going to reveal to you what I want the future generations to know. So just when you get tired, and you get weary, and you get down, and you get discouraged, just buckle your seatbelt, because you know what's coming. Well, John didn't know that, but we do. Amen, we do. We know that one day the wind is going to blow. 
What's that I hear? That sounds like a trumpet to me. Amen. That sounds like a trumpet to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The dead in Christ shall rise. And then those of us on the interstate are going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Amen. Oh, my gracious alive. John knew what the past was. He's there before this. He knew the trouble the early church had faced. He saw them reject the message that Jesus had. He knew the strength of the Roman guard. He knew the oppression of the truths that he tried to present. He knew the condemnation by the religious world. You guys back in a corner. He still remembered the crucifixion. He still remembered seeing Jesus after the resurrection. He also knew the words of Jesus. But when you're there by yourself, even knowing all those things, it's hard to still put it into practice. And we know Paul, who stepped to the plate, who came out of ashes. In Romans the 8th chapter, verse 36, even as it is written, for thy sake, we are put to death all day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul said, that's good news. Sheep for the slaughter. That's probably the life. John knew what it was to experience that. But Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, wanted John to know that may be true and you may feel like you are the sleep account, sheep accounted for the slaughter that's there. But in the midst of all of that quietness and that ash and that nothingness, the son of God appears. Has there ever been a time in your life when no one can tell you differently that Jesus showed up and you knew this was the Lord? God came down in that room and touched them. The Holy Spirit protected us when we didn't deserve being protected. And yet he came down. Don't ever forget he's still in the business of doing just that in the midst of your chaos, my friend. And now that he's alive, he's saying the agenda of the past has now been completed. The devil's agenda for the past is complete. But he said, I'm coming, John. Give the word out there. Put it and write it in the book that there is a new agenda. And I'm here to take over in the present. Behold, I am alive forever and ever. The word behold is strong. It means heed. Take notice. You can discount everything else that I say. But when he said, behold, he said, I'm giving you a strong stamp that lets you know what I'm about to say will, in fact, come to pass. Nothing will get in the way, no circumstance. There will be no delay. There will be no time lapse. Behold, what I'm telling you will happen. Oh, my friend, it appears that John, Jesus wants John to be seriously impacted by what he's saying. And he wants John because John is living in this carnal body in this God-forsaken place. But he wants John to understand that in the midst of all of that, that your mind and your heart can be transformed into something of a supernatural measure. 
And you know, my friend, many of you in this room know what it means to be transformed. Behold, the old nature has passed away and the new has begun. And you've grown and grown and grown and grown and you've had bumps along the way. But here's one thing you do know. You know this. My God does not leave me, does not forsake me. My God does answer my prayer and my God heals me. My God is my redeemer. My God is my food and my source of strength. My God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the ending and it makes no difference who the dictators are. He's the ruler of the universe. Celebrate that. Understand it's powerful and it's true whether I believe it or not. Jesus also wants John to know that he is no longer the conquered, but he is the conqueror. Behold, I have changed outfits. Amen? I've changed outfits. That robe that I had, that robe that was torn, that robe that was blood-stained, that robe that I had on served its purpose. But it was for that season. How do you like what I'm wearing now? This white, pure robe of the conqueror. And oh, but I noticed something. I noticed you're riding something that means, wow, you're about to go somewhere. I noticed that in your mouth is something that represents war. Oh, it's there too. Paul writes in Romans 12, too, don't become, when you get, don't become so well-adjusted that you fit into the culture who's forgotten the words of John. Instead, fix your attention on God, who is really the world changer, and you'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you. That's commitment. And quickly respond, unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Always remember, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. When we become transformed, we begin to see the power of deliverance. We begin to see the naysayers not as powerful as they once were. We begin to see those who have children that, in fact, may be on a lifestyle or on a path or a trail of total destruction. Instead of crying over the fact that that's the path they're on, we begin to see them redeemed and healed by the grace of God. We have a picture that's different than the ash which we physically stand until Jesus came and said, remember when I laid my hand on them. They are transformed in mind and body and in their future. Corey Ten Boone said, and I quote, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. A known God. Who is he? Many who saw Peter in Acts 5.15 saw the transformation. Peter is the one who warmed his hands by the fire. That's his carnal nature. No, I don't know him. They saw him transformed when he spoke there in Acts 2. I mean, he leveled the guns at that group of individuals listening and preached one of the most dynamic messages recorded. Wow, what happened to Peter? He got touched by God. 
The Holy Spirit came down and then filled him with that baptism. And now he's not afraid of anything. But now he's gone even further to the degree that when he walks along the dusty paths where he is, people bring their crippled and their maimed and their halt and lay them and just say, just let his shadow pass by. Just let his shadow pass by every time we meet it matters not what day what service it matters not his shadow still passes by if we believe it it really helps it really helps if we say i believe it as i mentioned a moment ago in the prayer when you light the fuse of a stick of dynamite it really doesn't matter how many people are there eventually that spark is going to get to the powder and when it does the undeniable is going to take place amen when he touches you hallelujah i said when he touches you friend the undeniable is going to take place you're going to have fresh vision you're going to have a pure heart you're going to rise up in courage you're going to be strengthened you're going to dance with a spiritual dance you're going to enjoy a song in your heart once and for all and you're going to begin to see things because the shackles on the eyes of your unbelief are gone now and you think my gracious alive look what god has done and will sing it to be the reality i am the conqueror of the present behold he says i am alive forevermore amen that means thus it shall be amen thus it shall be the past will never be repeated and i'll never die again i am alive i am the conqueror of the future here i come here i come i believe with all my heart and i know many individuals who are a little skeptical well, you know, I've been raised in the church. I've heard preacher after preacher say he's coming again. He should have already gotten you, friend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Saying he's going to come again. And I've always heard, I remember when they were saying Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. <laughs> and that Walter Cronkite was a Russian spy. I remember preachers preaching that. Who cares? Here's what I care about. If you light that fuse... You can be assured it's going to make it to the powder. I believe with all of my heart that when I hear of dictators that are elected and new leadership here, and I hear about new presidents here, and I hear about here, I'm, I take a look, always go to the Bible, and I say, yeah, buddy, that, that, look at that, what's happening. right? Look at Turkey. Take a look. Look over here in Iraq, what they've got. Take a look at Syria. Look at old Putin with his bare chest on the back of his horse. Hello, just take a look. Who is he? Who is he? He's just a man. But let me tell you something. And positioning people into places, getting ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let me just tell you, you can rest assured. You can rest assured that one day that old northern bear, one day that China, one day, one day soon it could happen. Can you imagine what would change our world if really the North Korean dictator shot a missile over to us? How quick do you think we'd be in war? But let me tell you something. It ain't going to happen until he says it'll happen. Amen. You can shake your saber, but it is not going to happen. So here's what John is saying. And God's saying to John, tell them all. Tell them all. I know where you're at. Tell that lukewarm church, hey, there's still hope. Get on fire again. Tell that church that's lost their first love, tell them to fall in love again. There's always grace, always hope. Tell that weary believer, don't become weary in well-doing. Tell them to raise up their hands. I'll, I will lift up their hands that need to be raised up. Tell that unbeliever that I can restore that belief again. In that moment, he says, I have the keys to death and Hades. In Luke 16, 23, it says, those of Abraham were con confronted and those who were lost were, went into torment and they were separated by the gulf. You know the rich man and Lazarus. Where, where, was, where was the rich man? He was, in, he was covered, a big gulf between Lazarus and the rich man. But in Paul's writings, Ephesians 4, 9, it said that he ascended, and where he went, he descended first into the lower parts of the earth, we call that Hades, and he released those in bondage, and he himself then ascended. And Acts 2, 31 says, his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. He's declaring to John, listen, I went down there. Death had its grip on my human body. And Satan thought he had his grip over my spirit. So I thought I would take a road trip and go down there so that the people in 2017 on Mother's Day in May could be reminded. You get weary and you die if you're covered in the blood. I've got you covered. I got the key right here. So it doesn't matter what happens after that. He said, I have come to conquer. Revelation 5, 5. So then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. Woo, we get a view of him. He's not a slain savior. Here showing up is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And here's what he says. I have come to conquer. Revelation 6, 2. And I looked and saw there a white horse whose rider carried a bow and a crown was given him, and he rode forth conquering and to conquer. No wonder that we say that in us right now with a live statement, in me is conquering power.
In me is the overcoming presence of the Holy Spirit. Upon me is a calling, not from any man, but from a God who says, reach one more. In me is the same power that overcame death. In me is the same power that encourages weary pilgrims. In me is the same presence that can turn water into wine. So how do I believe? Don't you think that John was a changed man after the visit he had from God? I believe he was. Philippians, Paul says, I caught it. Paul said, I caught it. This is before John and Revelation. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I came to the conclusion that death was the last bastion of the enemy. Well, now, Jesus conquered death. But in this picture, he says, I know the source of death. In this picture, he comes and riding, coming to conquer, but in his mouth is that two-edged sword. And he says, I have come to rule. And in that two-edged sword, he says, as you read in Revelation 20:10, and the devil that deceived you and me and everyone else was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. I came to rule. Sharon and I, we ran up to Atlanta last weekend. We left on Friday morning. We came back Saturday night late. Got home, I don't know, 11, 11 o'clock or so. We forgot that the bridge on 85 up in Atlanta, some homeless person set fire underneath it. You remember that? So, I mean, you talk about the traffic. It's backed up forever and eternity. But there's nowhere to go. Sharon gets nervous. She grips everything that she can because I'm a creative driver. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be real creative going 15 miles an hour. <laughs> it's not, not real, real hard to be creative. But you know, this lane looks like it's going faster than this lane. I'm not one that can sit in a lane that's being passed by the cars in the other lane that seem like. I pick me a spotter, that's a semi or something, and I say, hey, he was here, now he's there. He must be going somewhere. And don't you know what happens every single time? About the time you slip over in that lane, the lane you were in starts going. Hello? But you know what? It's still more fun <laughs> to try it out. Still is more fun to try it out. But here's what I know. Life is, is kind of that way. I can just sit back, and I'm, I want to I just get here. My life, your life, our life, doesn't have to be so stressed and so intense. If you just learn to step back and say, he's got it all under control. I might as well just relax. It's kind of like watching a Hallmark movie. Sharon watches I Love Lucy. 
Early in the morning, we'll get coffee and sit there, turn I Love Lucy on. I'm telling you, in a minute's time, I can say to her, what's that about? She knows. She watches them. She doesn't know what the weather is going to be that day necessarily, but she knows what that I Love Lucy movie is about. She knows. She watches them. And she will do this. She will sit there and laugh at the same stuff that she's seen 50 times. 50 times. Amazing. Listen, I just want to warn you. I want to warn you. Your life's not going to crash and you are not going to fail. I want to warn you, you might as well change your tune because you're not going to give up because he is on his throne. He has conquered, he is conquering, and he's coming back. Let's put your hands together and let's thank the Lord, shall we? All right, would you stand? Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you for the abundance that we have felt of your Holy Spirit. God, we are encouraged tonight. Wow, how wonderful is that? It's almost better than will of fortune to be here tonight, to know what you've done. We can go home and turn on the news and tomorrow morning listen to what happened on the weekend. God, and we can know, yeah, I know all that. How sad and how tragic is that? But here's what I know. I read the book in Revelation, and I found out Hallelujah, he's on his way. And not only has he conquered death, but he's going to conquer the source of death. He's going to take him and put him on a chain. And going to let him have so much length in that chain, and that's all he's going to be able to do. But I know this, he has me lifted up in the palm of his hand, and I am at a place that, boy, when the enemy jumps up and tries to get me, he just raises me up. Hallelujah. It lets the enemy know you can't touch him because my blood has covered him. And God, if I have family members that are lost, I know this. If I pray one day in the name of Jesus that their desire to run away, their stubbornness, their ignorance, their disobedience, their rebellion cannot overcome the power of love, God, nor can it overcome the power of my prayers. So I'm praying, Jesus, because I can see them being delivered and come back to the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what I know. That's what I believe. So, Father, in this room tonight, encourage those that may have just a slim measure of hope and strengthen them and anoint them and let them leave this place tonight. And they may go back to a place that is lonely and they may go back to a place that is familiar. But in the name of the Lord through the night would you just let them in Jesus name sense and feel your presence and we give you praise honor and glory would you repeat this prayer just in case somebody's listening online just in case somebody here someone here needs to give their heart to Jesus let's pray it together after me dear Jesus, dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me I have sinned I, have sinned. I, am, sorry. I am sorry I believe by faith, believe by faith. you have given to me given to an me. Understanding, understanding from your word, from your word that, I that I can be redeemed I confess my sins, confess my sins. and I believe, by faith. I believe by faith I am now 
now, born again, redeemed by the grace of God. That is my testimony. That's my message. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this song, before we dismiss, as we sing this song, you come down. I, I got to tell you, if you need a touch from God, I do believe there's a stirring in the house. You come on down. You never know what God might do. Just might be the proper thing to do as we sing this. Worship with us as we sing together. Here we go, everybody.